I think prayer is one of those things that all of us have in common the struggle in that. A couple of weeks ago, I was um, riding with Karen Evans back from one of her treatments, and I said, Karen, how can I be praying for you this week? And if you don't know her, she went to be with the Lord this past week in a very peacefully, very gracious way of the Lord. Um, she lost this battle finally that she struggled so courageously against with cancer. Um, we will have a memorial service for her this coming Saturday at 11 right here at Calvary if you'd like to come and just worship the Lord together and celebrate her life. But when I asked her that day, Karen, how can I be praying for you just as, as quickly as if she knew what I was going to say? She said, pray that I'd get to go to Dollywood next Saturday. <laughs> I said, Karen, we barely got in and out of this treatment. I mean, you're, you're just frail and weak. Maybe Dollywood is not the right environment. Maybe that's not the best place. She goes, yeah, I just really want to go. And it's a tradition with our family, and we're all looking forward to it. And just pray that I would get to go to Dollywood. I said, you know what? That's what I'm going to pray. And I let her out at home, and, and I prayed every day. Lord, of all the things that I should be praying for about Karen, I'm going to ask you that you'd let her go to Dollywood. And that you would take care of her. And I don't know how in the world she has the physical stamina to be able to do that. Yesterday my wife texted me from Mississippi. And I know there's a lot of things going on in Mississippi that uh, bother us. But she was there and um, Aaron, my son, and his wife were there with her the only Tennessee fan surrounded by Mississippi graduates, and um, it was a lonesome weekend. But one of the things that makes it harder is that she's there visiting her brother, who's just a few years older than her, but he has early Alzheimer's. And this will be the first time that she goes to see him that he's not... going to know who she is. So she just texted me and said, I'm going in to see Kirk again. Would you pray? And we all have those moments where we feel the intensity and the power and the importance of this thing called prayer. And we want to do it well. And we want to see our prayers answered. But we're not sure how to do that. And what that means. And not just in moments of crisis. And not just during emergencies. And not just at times where we think, Oh God, you've got to hear me right now. And Lord, you've got to answer this prayer. That we pray sometimes like the prayer that Kevin read a few moments ago of David's, and you just, you just feel the desperation inside it. We just need to know how to pray every day 
I remember after my wife had a brain tumor and we went through the surgery and they got the tumor out and uh, one day I was getting ready to come to work and I, and I said, hey, do you need anything before I go? And this is when she's okay. And she said, no. She said, have you ever thought about the fact that how good, how, how an ordinary day is such a good day? I think, isn't that true? And we forget that on ordinary days, Right? We just kind of think, well, it's just an ordinary day. But sometimes an ordinary day is a really, really good day. Something happened one day on an ordinary day in the life of Jesus that, to my knowledge, never happened before and hasn't happened since. At least not in the way that that it happened to him. Day after day after day, Jesus had been hanging around with these 12 guys who were his best friends in the whole world, uh, who, who we came to call the disciples, the ones who continued this message and began this worldwide revolutionary revival. He was hanging out with these guys, and these, they, these men were thoroughly Jewish, uh, having grown up in Jewish homes and gone to Jewish synagogues every week, several times a week of their life, and, and participated in all the festivals and, and special holy days and, 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 and the customs. that they were, they were very religious. They had practiced religion their whole lives. But after hearing and watching Jesus do something repeatedly, they were so mesmerized, they were so taken and impressed that they said something to him about it. In Luke 11, 1, it happened that while Jesus was praying in a certain place, after he had finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And as I mentioned last week, I think this is the only time that I know of where one person ever asked another person, how do you pray? The disciples were absolutely fascinated with the prayer life of Jesus. And have you ever thought about all the things that Jesus did that they could have asked him to teach them about? I mean, they could have been walking along and and Peter could have made his way up so that he's walking alongside Jesus and said, Jesus, do you know that day that we, the the walking on the water thing? That was so awesome. Hey, listen, could you teach me how to do that? I mean, just think of the time saver it would be crossing rivers, streams, lakes, and oceans. I mean, and just think how impressive it would be. I see friends out on a boat, I just walk out to them. Can you teach me how to do that? No, Peter, no, I'm not good. Peter, stop asking me stuff like that. (laughs) Or James and John could have said, Jesus, we have this huge family reunion next week and everybody's going to be there. There's going to be about 100 people. Do you remember that day that you fed 5,000 with just a few loaves and fishes? That'd be so cool if you could teach us how to do that because our family's so hungry. And, and just, could you teach us how you did that? Or someone could say, Jesus, I've got this, this jug of water here and I'm going to this party. You show me how to turn this into wine. I know you can do it. It was your very first miracle. I was there. Unbelievable, incredible. Could you just teach me how to turn water into wine? They didn't, they never asked Jesus 
How do you heal sick people? Teach us how to do that. You raised a guy from the dead. You teach me how to do that. I mean, I would have, if, if, if I had one thing, and Jesus said, okay, you can ask me, you want to know how to do one of my, one thing? I go, yeah. I want to do, I, it would have never crossed my mind to say, yeah, I want to pray like you. Teach me how to do that. Because I wasn't there. And every day, on the ordinary days and the extraordinary days, on the ins and outs and the ups and downs and the dark times and the, the easy times and the hard days and the easy days, after all of this time, the only thing the disciples ever asked Jesus, they said, out of everything you do, we want to pray like you pray. Teach us how to do that. The thing I love about Jesus, the encouraging thing, is that Jesus did exactly what they asked him for. And when he did, he acknowledged that prayer is something that you learn. And that's encouraging to me. And I hope it is to you. And I know some of you think, you know what, I haven't prayed in weeks. I haven't prayed in days. I never prayed. Some of you gave up on prayer because you asked for stuff and it didn't happen. And, or, or you were disappointed. And, and things didn't go the way you wanted. You thought, you know what, prayer, that whole thing is something poetic and romantic and I'm just not going to do it anymore. Or you just forget about it. Or you just, for whatever reason, we're just negligent. And that the good news is, it's something you learn. You know, it, it doesn't have to come natural. For some of you, you think, oh, that's just as natural. And for many people, it's not, right? It's not a natural thing. And Jesus said, it's okay. That's okay. This can be learned. You can figure out how to do this. You can learn how to pray effectively. You can learn what prayer is for. Now, we've already learned last week, Jesus began by teaching them where to pray. And they said, how do you pray? And he goes, okay, first let's talk about where. Okay. He said, find a secret, quiet place nobody knows about and nobody can see you. Somewhere that's private, go there and pray. So that was the first thing. And then he taught us what not to pray. Before he taught us how to do it, he said, okay, first of all, what not to do. Stop wearing God out with all those meaningless, repetitious, you know, those same old cliches that you say every time you pray and don't mean anything and you're just, you know, blah, blah, blah. And stop doing that and quit using the same thing all the time. I have a friend, he's an, he's an, he's an older guy and, and I don't see him very often, but when I do, he says, I will tell you that story. <laughs> and I go, yes, you told me that story, and I bet you're going to tell it again. And he does, you know, and he just tells. You got somebody like that in your family, and you're all looking back at your dads right now going, yeah, he's like on row six back there. Yeah, he tells, if he tells that story. And I do that to my kids. I tell them stories, and about a third of the way into it, I see their eyes glassing over, and, their head, and I realized, have I told you this? Yeah, Dad, you tell us this, like every Christmas for the past, you know. So I think, okay, and you know, you do it, and other guys my age and older do it too. And sometimes I feel that's the way God is. You know, I start praying, and God goes, oh, here he goes again. <laughs> Dan, you're going to say the same thing you said yesterday in the exact same way, using the same cliches you've been using ever since you were a little kid. So he says, here's what not to pray. Now today, he's going to tell us 
how to pray. So before we begin looking at what is commonly known as the Lord's Prayer, I knew about this prayer before I ever started going to church. I mean, for those of you who are not followers of Jesus, or maybe you're on the edge, or you're checking this out, and you're thinking about it, you're probably already familiar with the Lord's Prayer, right? I mean, it's, 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 just, it's out there like the Pledge of Allegiance or something. But it's important to remember, this is not a magical formula. And I hear people repeat this, like a Harry Potter thing, or you know, Gandalf or something, and I think, no, this is not just a, a mantra, this is not something... And you, know, and you say this, it's, it's not like that. He's not saying that these words, you just simply, mindlessly recite them, and that's, you're praying. Uh, this prayer is a pattern, and it lays down some principles that teach us how to pray. It's not a mechanical prayer, it's a model prayer. Now, I live out west, and... Uh, close to Westland, okay, right off Westland is my subdivision, and they're always building new subdivisions out there. And if you live in that area of town, you know, and I know it's probably true in other parts of town too, but it's like every month or two there's like a new subdivision in a little area that you thought there's, there's no way they can squeeze more houses in anywhere. They find a plot of land and somehow they do it. And at the beginning, as you go into any of those subdivisions, there will almost always be a model home. You know what I'm talking about? And Kathy likes to go in those and look at them sometimes. And, you know, and we, we'll, we'll go in and, and you feel a little stealthy. You feel a little dishonest. Kind of, you're looking around like, yeah, there's no way I'm buying this house or any house. Why are we here? Let's go eat. You know, as, but we're, you know, and that's a model home. And what it does is it gives you an opportunity to see this is what this builder does. This kind of materials he uses, this is his style. You can kind of see if you were to get another house in this subdivision, you go on in and look at, this is what they're going to be like. This is how he does stuff. That's what this prayer is. Jesus says, this is a model prayer. Um, and he doesn't say, this is what you should pray. He says, this is how you should pray. So some of you might need to just circle that little word in your Bible to remind you, this isn't what you should pray. This is how you pray. And I don't know about you, but the, sometimes the hardest part about prayer is getting into it and then getting back out of it. I want to begin to pray going, Lord, I just need to know up front, you're listening, right? <laughs> Have you ever been talking and nobody's there? You ever, be, you know, you ever drop a call and you're just talking away, blah, 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 and, you realize, Hello, and nobody's responding and you think, are you there? And you call them back and say, okay, what's the last thing? What was, what was I saying before we got cut off? You know, and, and you pick up there. Sometimes I wonder if my prayers are like that. And so, Lord, Lord, yo, Lord, Lord, are you there? You, know, you just want to get into it. And then when I'm done, when I'm coming out of that prayer, I want to know. You know, it says Jesus finished his prayer, by the way. You know, so there, there's a, that's, that's appropriate. I want to know, did he just hear me? Did you just... Were you listening? So that's what he talks about. And I want us to begin to, to understand and to learn how to pray so that we know going in, God's going to listen to us. And as we leave that time of prayer, he heard us. God, God was listening to us. So the, the key takeaway today from this message is this. The purpose of prayer is to focus on who God is, where God is, and what God wants. 
That's our key takeaway. And I think if there's a key word in the key takeaway, it would have to be focus. The way we get into prayer is by focusing. By focusing on two things especially. Uh, Focusing on the Father's worship. How do you get into prayer? Where do you start? Um, it, when you walk or you know, kneel into God's presence, what's the first thing you ought to say? You ever think about that when you meet somebody, the first thing I'm going to say to them, or somebody you haven't seen in a long time? Uh, for each of my children and for my first grandson, I said the exact same thing with a little variation to every one of them the moment they were born, the first time I ever met them, so that... Purely so I would be able to say one day, the first thing I ever said to you was, Hello, (laughs) I'm your dad, and I love you very much. But there is another who loves you even more than I do. And his name is Jesus. That's the first thing I've said to all three of my kids and to my grandson. And God willing, by his grace, I will say to any other grandchildren that he gives me. You think about, God, I'm I'm about to pray. What do I want to say? What do I want to say? How do you get into it? How do you start? When Luke 11, 9, he says, So I say to you, ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. So I notice immediately that where my focus ought to be from the, from the get-go is it ought to be on God. Let's be honest. Most of us in time for prayer, first-person pronoun is used almost immediately and more than anything. It is I, me, and we. I want you to give me this. I want you to bless me. We need you to do this. And so that's how we begin. And the first thing Jesus does when he's teaching us how to pray is he gives us a little grammar lesson. You don't need to begin... Every conversation you have with the Lord with first-person pronoun, prayer is not about you so much. It's primarily about Him. And when I figured that out and began to learn that, that one bit of information absolutely changed my whole prayer life. Prayer ought to begin with God, not you. And this reason, uh, the reason this is so important is that the more time you spend recognizing who you're talking to and realizing who God is, the more confident you're going to be able to pray the next thing. You're going to be sure this is the guy I, I should be praying to and bringing this to. It puts everything in proper perspective, who he is and my problems. That just a moment ago, my problems were huge and I'm not really sure God's got this or... I don't know how in the world he could ever... When I began thinking and praying and just, you know, focusing on him instead of my stuff, everything begins to change. There are two people in every prayer. There's a child and a father. And these first two words that that Jesus said... Uh, we're, we're pretty used to this language, at least most of us here. I mean, you know, in the church bubble, we kind of, you know, have grown up or we, we're, 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 you know, familiar with this. But there is no evidence that anyone before Jesus ever used the term Father to commonly address God. In the Old Testament, God is referred to as Father 14 times. And in each one of those contexts, it was 
father of the entire nation of Israel. It was never personal. Jesus changed that. It would be almost inconceivable that Jesus would want us to call God Father. Before the coming of Jesus, the name had never been used by prayer. Not by Jews, not by pagans, not by any weird religions or anybody else. Over 167 times in the Gospels, God is called Father. Like I say, we're used to that, but it was absolutely uh, scandalous and changed everything. Over 60 times in his own prayer life, Jesus called God Father. And the word that Jesus often used was the Aramaic word Abba, which means Daddy. I mean, not only would he address God as Father, but he'd go, Dad, you think only children with a good relationship would say, Papa, Think about this. I mean, if you're a child of God, you spiritually can, in these moments of prayer, just crawl up in your father's lap and put your arms around his neck and call him daddy. He's okay with that. And talk to him just like a child talks to his father. And, and I'll just, I'm just going to say this uh, because I don't want it to remain abstract. Until your conversation with God gets to that level, gets to that place, you're never really going to understand Uh, prayer and how this works. He's not just a personal father, but he's powerful. Verse 9 goes on to say, Father who art in heaven. That sounds big and it's a little redundant. You think, well, of course he's in heaven. I know he's in heaven. Um, But there's times when I've wondered, God, you know, where's God when bad things happen to good people? God's in heaven. God, where are you when injustice rolls through our courtrooms? God's in heaven. Where's God when terrorism, you know, pushes down the walls of freedom? God's in heaven. Where is God when innocent babies die and criminals go free? God's in heaven. There's not a question that he cannot answer. There's not a problem he can't solve. He is in heaven and nothing escapes his notice. He's there. He's there. And there's nothing that's wrong that won't one day be made right. So Jesus just naturally adds, hallowed be your name. And that's a word we don't use very often anymore. Uh, Hallowed just means to honor. He said, just honor your name. I just want to give you the respect that you deserve. So whenever I pray, before I talk about what I need, what I want, what I'm going through, what I'm looking for, I've got to, I've got to ask myself, is this prayer that I'm about to pray, is it a prayer that will honor you, God? Am I being honoring to you as, as I pray? Is what I'm going to ask for, so for something that I would be honored in? Or is it that... Am I going to ask him to do whatever he needs to do so that he would be honored? So we focus on the Father's worship, who he is and where he lives and what he can do. And we focus on the Father's will. Sometimes I'm so busy about my will and what I want and what I need. And Lord, I know you've got your own way of doing things, but this is the one time, can we just do it my way? I mean, you've ever, if you want to pray honest, hadn't you ever thought about... I know I'm going to do you, God, just whatever you want, but really, God, I've got this figured out. And just this one time, could you do it my way? And I promise I've got, I know what I need, I know what I want this one time. And then you wait to see what he'll do. And sometimes he does, sometimes he doesn't. And you think, Lord, I just ask you this one time to do it my way. 
No, he's going to, he wants to always do it his way. He wants his will to always be done. And I think that was a struggle and a focus. You know, Jesus said in, in verse 10, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth like it's being done in heaven. His will is constantly being done in heaven. Nothing happens in heaven that's outside of God's will. And he said, what I want to happen is just like that, I want that to be working in my life. And this part of the prayer revolves basically around two nouns and two verbs. The nouns are kingdom and will. The verbs are come and done. The kingdom is a place where the king rules and reigns. And when you ask God's kingdom to come... You're basically asking God, come and sit on the throne of my heart, sit on the throne of my life, so that your plans will be done in both. It's not so much about getting my will being done and extended into heaven. God, I know you're in heaven, and I'm trying to get my will up there so you can get it. No, it's about getting heaven into my heart, getting his will into me. C.S. Lewis said, prayer doesn't change things around me nearly as much as it changes me. I think this is the most difficult part of the prayer for a, a lot of people because the number one priority of prayer is not to get God to do what you want, but to get God to do what he wants. That's why this part of the prayer is hard, to come to God and to say, I just want to tell you right up front, I'm taking all my plans my ambitions, my goals, my agendas, my desires and preferences, putting it all on the table. Lord, I'm surrendering it to you. Before I ask, I just want you to know that I'm surrendered to you. Now think about how Jesus modeled this for us in the Garden of Gethsemane. Do you remember that intense prayer when he's praying? And at the end, he said, but not my will, but yours be done. Even at that moment, he said, I want your will to be done. I want your will. The trouble comes in our lives when we don't pray that part of the prayer. When we skip that and we go straight to, okay, here's what I need. And let's, let me explain this to you. And, and I talk to God like that. I don't know. I just, uh, you know, started off that way. And one of the blessings of not growing up in church, and there's not very many. So don't use that like... Yeah, we should get out of church so we can, we can grow spiritually. Now, most of the time, in particularly, it doesn't work. But I didn't learn how to pray repetitiously and monotonously. So I just prayed, I just would wing it, you know, and, and prayed some of the most awful prayers you've ever heard. They're not very pretty or eloquent, but at least they were honest. And slipped out of that for a while, particularly when you pray in public. You know, and you feel that pressure to pray pretty. So you pray like the Victorian guy, oh, thou God in heaven, you know. And you think, I didn't know you spoke King James. Yeah, when I pray, I do. I can, I can do that, you know. But just pray on. And so sometimes I'm walking or sometimes I'm alone with God in my secret quiet place. I just pray, God, I'm just, no, I'm just so scared. I'm going to ask you this, and you're going to say no, or you're going to have your own thing, and, I, and I'm struggling with that right now. And, Father, would you bring me into your will? Would you make my heart like your heart? And, and just talk honestly and have a conversation with him. Uh, and there's times I've just skipped this part, but now, you know, I just consistently I find that when I put everything before him and say, here's all my stuff. Lord, I, I've filled out this, here's this contract and it's blank, I just went ahead and signed my name. Lord, here's my prayer check. I left the amount empty, and I just signed my name. Lord, you 
it's, it's, it's whatever you want. I'm in. Whatever you want to do next, wherever you want to go with this, I'm yours. Let's do this. What is it? That has absolutely changed everything. And I don't want you to sit and pretend like this is easy. <laughs> and I'm, not, I'm telling you it's not easy because it's not. Uh, it wasn't even easy for Jesus. When through blood and tears and sweat, he said this breakthrough sentence, not my will, your will be done. And he knew what God's will was. He knew what was coming next. The cross, the torture, the beatings. And death. He said, all my agendas are to the side. Anything that's within me anywhere that wants something from me, you overcome it. I think the trouble comes in our lives when we don't pray that part of the prayer. The trouble comes when we focus on our will to the extent that it becomes all that we can see. It just blocks everything from our vision. And I see that that's where marriages fall apart. That's where dis- bad business decisions are made. That's when you experience a kind of moral failure that can scar you with unbelievable guilt. And all kinds of damage can be done in your life uh, from spinning off doing your thing, doing your will instead of God's. And that's why I can tell you that the best part uh, and the best prayer that you can ever pray for anyone in any situation, in any place, If you're just not sure what to pray for that person that you're praying for, just pray this. God, your will be done. Because I know your will is good. You know why? Because God's always the right thing to pray. And his will is always the right thing to pray for. And it's always the best thing to pray. I'll tell you one other thing that happens when you really pray this part of the prayer and when you really mean that. When you surrender your will to His and when you begin to pray like that, you find that prayer changes you and that your prayers begin to change. That's why it's so important to get into that secret place every day and all over again surrender uh, your will to His every day. And I'm going to encourage you because I'm, I'm learning to pray just like you. Uh, but until you're fully surrendered to Jesus, nothing much is really it's going to happen in your prayer life. Okay? Um, and I've played that game, been there, done that. Living outside of God's will, and then you're in a jam, or what, and you go before the Lord, and you go, Hey God, hey, I just want to just, just pray and just ask you for this. You need to surrender your life to Him because it's within that context that He can move and answer prayer and do incredible things in your heart and life when your will is surrendered to His. And nothing will change the perspective of your prayer like that. Nothing will change the purpose of your life like that. Nothing will change the priority of your life than when your will is surrendered to His. When we come to God... And we want to pray. We want to pray in such a way that he heard me. You know, you ever get up, you ever go away from prayer going, I know he just heard me. You just had that, you just had that, you just know that was an answered prayer. That's, I just know he's listening. God 
hears us now. And, and he says, first, I want your worship. Focus on who I am, where I live, what I want, because I, I'm going to do good things in your life. And we never know the power and the joy of prayer until we talk to him like a child talks to a father. And you're always willing to find out what his will is and to do that. It's an adventure, and it's amazing. It's absolutely amazing. Last week, I gave you some homework, and it was easy. It was one of those, like, you always wish your professor would give you something, and you think, oh, good, that's all we're going to get, and you can do that. I just gave you a five-minute assignment. I'm going to raise the bar just a little, okay? This is your assignment this week, is to take the first five minutes of the next 30 days and just give God your worship. Focus on who he is, where he lives, and what he wants. Surrender to his will and just watch how God changes your life. The next 30 days, five minutes, first five minutes of the next 30 days of your life, give God your worship. That's all. You know, that doesn't sound so bad. It's really not. It's the first five minutes of your day. Let's pray about that. And in this time, I'm, when I'm praying aloud and you pray quietly, would you go ahead and commit yourself to that? Now, I'll tell you a little trick of how you can do that. And you don't have to do it right now, but you can if you want to. Is take out your calendar, your planner, or your phone, and go to your calendar app. And what time is it that you usually wake up? You know, 6.30, okay? Um, go ahead and schedule for the next 30 days, just put in there, prayer-worship-God-worship. Make it a five-minute appointment. This is something that works. It's a trick I play on myself. But what I find is that once I put it on the calendar, I'm more apt to do it. You know, and you put appointments in, and you put things you don't want to forget. Put personal things in there. You know, if you have a problem working out, put in there, workout, 8 a.m. Then it's an appointment that you've made. Do this with the Lord, Okay. Go ahead, and, and while we sing, as we pray, get your planner out and write in there, um, or put it in your app, the next 30 days, you're going to worship for five minutes. You're going to give God that time as you begin to pray. All right? That's your assignment. Stand, and we're going to sing, and let me pray as we do. Father, you are incredible, and I can't think of any other thing without exaggerating, sermons, um, books, and reading, and all the other things that I've, I've ever done in the disciplines and the, the, the joy and the routine of my Christian life that has changed me more. This one activity, this one thing, has changed my life and rocked my whole world. Father, teach us how to pray. In Jesus' name.